0: We are grateful for the time you take to join us for these conversations. Welcome to the ERLC Podcast. At an ERLC event titled The Gospel and Racial Reconciliation, Trillian Newbell gave a presentation titled United captured by God's vision for diversity, that was born from her own experience with a close-knit group of friends. We hope you enjoy this episode. Glad to be here. Glad to talk to you. I have two beautiful biracial kids. I'm biased, so I can say they're beautiful but they are they're just adorable and lovely and gifts from God when my son was about 2 years old it's when he started to kind of get it mommy and daddy looked a little different daddy was peach to him not white which makes sense to me and i was brown and so he identified me and he looked at me and he would say chocolate that's what he thought of when he thought of me and he would, um, talk to me and talk about my chocolate skin. And he was too, one day I picked him up and I was talking to him and he looked at me with his beautiful, big brown eyes and he said, chocolate. And then he licked my cheek. (laughs) It was the most adorable thing and I will never forget it. And it made me think, gosh, what a whimsical, beautiful picture of really the kingdom. Now, we all shouldn't go and lick one another. That's kind of weird. Yes, don't do that. But this innocence, this sweet joy, delight in the color of my skin, and he he licked my cheek and out of a response of delight. Well, I have another story that isn't as, I guess, encouraging. A friend of mine recently told me that when he was growing up, he had a box of crayons. And the crayons were, um, you know, crayons. <laughs> but he was coloring with one of them, and he was looking for a color to color his person. And the um, crayon description said flesh. Can anyone figure out what that color was? It was peach. So that boy identified so much for a long time that flesh was the color white, white people. And so it kind of strips us of our imago day, us being anyone else, if we are looking at a crayon and that color is flesh. I share these two very contrasting stories to make really a point. The problem with taking our cues from anything other than the word of God is we fall short. Today I get to tell you my testimony. That's all this is, is a talk about my life and how the Lord changed my life and why diversity is important to me and why we're talking about it. Growing up, I was taught to love my neighbor. And it wasn't a Christian-infused declaration. My dad, he was um, beat once for not standing for Dixie. He was experienced harsh racism. But he told his daughters, no, you forgive and you love people. So I grew up having this desire in my heart for diversity and for loving people. It wasn't until I became a Christian that I really got it. Now, the word diversity took, takes on a ton of meanings. In the 60s, it would have been thought of maybe as desegregation. By the 70s and 80s, we're thinking affirmative action. We're thinking uh, quotas. And now there's all sorts of definitions. But God gave me a different vision when I became a Christian. First, he saved my soul. He took my heart of stone and gave me a heart of flesh. He renewed me in every way. I was a new creation. I was in Christ. So this diversity that I desired, it, it was transformed into, okay, what does the Bible say about this? And he gave me a vision for diversity because it's in the scriptures. It wasn't something that I was making up. It wasn't something that I just thought of. It was something that was good. He gave me himself. I want to pause and say, but what he didn't do was strip me of my brown skin. He has created me in his image. He has created each and one of us uniquely. And this is a good thing. If anyone's ever told you to be colorblind, don't. Don't be colorblind. Because he has created us uniquely for his good, for our good, and for his glory. And it's a good thing. And so he he taught me, hey, no, you have a new identity, but I did create you. And that was good. But then I saw throughout scriptures that diversity starts in Genesis 1. Imago Dei, we're made in his image. Then he gives us one, we're one humanity. Then we go to Ephesians 2 and we realize that the wall of hostility has been broken down. And that's what he was showing me through his word. And I saw that, that God reconciled himself first, first me to him, and then to one another. And then we know Revelations 5 and 7 has been talked about all, all of yesterday and today. That one day every tribe and tongue and nation will be worshiping together. That was his vision for diversity that I was captured by. So here I am, a new Christian, eager to learn about the Lord and to share about the Lord. And I was in a predominantly white church. So I felt a little bit like an anomaly. And at times I felt alone. I prayed that God would bring diversity into my church, and he did not. He did not bring this influx of diversity. There were probably, when I was first attending, maybe 20 20 minorities, and um, it was a majority white church. What he did instead, though, was he gave me a family, and that's the race-transcending gospel. It gives us a family. So the Lord gave me two friends first— A girl named um, Amy, who's white, and a lady named Lillian, who's Chinese. And we just began to meet together and do accountability together and share one another's lives. That's what he did. He gave me sisters. And so I started to understand a doctrine of the family of God, that we are ushered into a new bloodline and then a new family. And he gave me that sisters, but it wasn't easy. Again, sometimes I would be asked questions, and I love love my friends, and but ask questions about my hair and if I burned in the sun and random. Yeah, I just these are questions people are curious about. Um, but it would make me sometimes feel different, like I'm not a part. So I don't want to paint that it was easy. There were times when it was really hard. But he did give me a family, and I was thankful for that. Another thing that, you know, being in a predominantly white church that I had to consider as being an African-American female was would I get married? Now, I was pursued by people, but my question would have been would their parents accept me? I grew up in the South and endured quite a bit of racism, and I'm not that old, so that would have been in the 90s. That I endured, um, racism and it was mostly from parents, um, and not being able to do things like go, go to, um, debutante balls or do things that were in a country club because they didn't allow black people in it. And this was, yes, in the nineties. So when I was attending this church, my fear was, will I be able to get married or will I, am I making a choice to be alone by being a part of this church? Well, the Lord provided that too, (laughs) and I married my husband, Thurn, and he is white, and we had no animosity, but I know that's not the experience of most, and it's not the experience of all. Since I've been talking about this more, I realize that people continue to be pushed against for interracial marriage. This continues to be an issue in our country and in our hearts. But thankfully, in my church and also in our families, we were accepted completely. It wasn't a question. What is awesome to me about my marriage is that every day I get to wake up and kind of see a picture of Revelations 5 and 7. Every day I get to see the reconciliation of first God to man, then to each other. And that, to me, is a beautiful thing, and it's a good thing that we get to teach our kids. My son said to me recently, Mommy, I'm so glad we are born in this age, because I wouldn't be brown and white. I would only be one or the other. And once he told me, Mom, because he knows about the Civil Rights, he's eight, Civil Rights Movement, he said, Mom, I'm so glad that you weren't born during that time because I hate to see you get hurt. The truth is is that we still hurt each other today. We're still divided and there's really no excuse. I wrote a book called United, captured by God's vision for diversity because I was captured by what the word of God says. We are not making this stuff up. This is in the word of God. And I dedicated it to my kids and this is what I said. I pray when you get older, you wonder why mom would write such a book. Why would you write a book about diversity, mom? That's my prayer. I pray that my book is obsolete and that no one else ever has to write a book about diversity and the need for it in our churches. That's my prayer. No author prays that. (laughs) No one wants their book to be obsolete. I do. The gospel is race transcending. Racial reconciliation isn't only possible, it's a must for the church. We have a high and a good calling to reflect to the world the unity that is in Christ already. We are already diverse, the kingdom's diverse. We have a responsibility. We must be on the front lines of this issue, and I'm so thankful we're having this conversation. I'm going to challenge you to put feet, faith in action, feet to this talk, Speak to everything that you've been hearing. I want that is my prayer for this weekend, this whole week. There's much at stake. One, we must gain a robust understanding of Imago Day. That's where it begins. We are created in the image of God. That's where I was captured first. Genesis 1, it starts there. That's where the Lord first revealed his, his plan for humanity to me. Two, we cannot fear talking about race. No more. Don't fear it. Pastors, don't wait until someone walks into your congregation and then scramble. Okay, what do we do? Okay, how do we care for them? Be proactive. Go ahead and speak from your pulpit. Encourage your church to understand the doctrine of race and understand the doctrine of the family of God. Go ahead and be proactive so that when we do have people who are coming in who are not like us, we understand, wait a minute, they're a little bit more like us than we think. And we can love and serve one another. We don't need to fear this discussion because we are one in Christ. We are brothers and sisters. We need churches, and this has helped me, that are confessing places where we can say, I have a pride issue. I struggle with racism. We want churches to be gracious enough that your people can talk that. They can say that. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us. He purifies us. He finishes the good work that he began in us. I want It would be an honor for me to have a white brother or a white sister come up to me and say, I have struggled with pride in this area, but I repent and I don't anymore. That would be amazing. And I want us to have churches that do that where we can confess and we can press into relationship with one another. Four, we need to learn to be hospitable and love our neighbor. My testimony, the reason I stayed at the church that I stayed at is because they were hospitable. They loved me. I didn't just visit. I was a part. They came, I was invited in. I was invited to. I was invited with. We need to love our neighbors. Look outside and invite people in and be hospitable. I have 41 seconds. Most of all, know that the gospel is race transcending. The gospel is good news for all people, every tribe and tongue and nation. We are to go and make disciples of all nations. We need to know that the gospel isn't a white gospel, right? It's a gospel for all of us. So we go and we make disciples and we love people by sharing the best news, the only news that will reconcile us. It's the only news that will change our identity from this and that to one in him. I pray that we would know this gospel and know it well so that we can proclaim it. We are to be a city on a hill. My challenge and my prayer is that we will be. Let's not neglect this message. Can I pray? Join me. Lord, thank you so much for your gospel that transcends race. I believe this with all my heart, with all my soul, and I only believe it because you loved me first. God, thank you for that. Thank you that you changed my heart and that this vision of diversity isn't something that I've made up, (laughs) that it's in your word, God, and I thank you for that. That every tribe and tongue and nation will one day be worshiping, standing at your throne together, united. God, would you bring heaven to earth today? God, that is our prayer, that you would do this work in our churches, in our hearts today. God, it's a heart issue, Lord. Would you penetrate our hearts? We don't need a 10-step program. We need you. And God, I pray that you would give us yourself that you would answer all of our prayers, and that we would be standing united in Christ. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for bearing the wrath that we deserve and interceding now for your own. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the ERLC podcast. To subscribe to the podcast and find more information on a variety of issues, visit ERLC.com.